Let's get our Bibles this morning and open to Colossians chapter number 3 as we continue our study in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter number 3, and we'll be reading verses 18 through 21 this morning. And I appreciate that song, Abby and Elizabeth. What a blessing. And I'm thankful we're sheltered this morning. I'm thankful um, that he holds us fast this morning. Colossians chapter number 3, and look at verse number 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And all the parents said amen right there this morning. Verse number 21. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Let's pray this morning. God, we love you, and Lord, we thank you, Lord, we thank you for this morning where we can gather together, where we can study your word, where we can encourage each other, we can sing your praises. God, I thank you that we have the freedom this morning to do that. Lord, I pray as we approach this text this morning, and Lord, preach on a Christ-centered home. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us, Lord, and Lord, to examine ourselves. Lord, I, I pray, God, that you would, Lord, just, just work in our hearts, work in our minds this morning. Lord, bless us and teach us. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In your precious, in your holy name we pray. Amen. Up to this point in Paul's letter to the Colossians in chapter number 3, Paul has been addressing the old man and the new man. And some things to put on, we saw just a few weeks ago, some things that we need to put off or to take off. And if you're in God's family, there's some things that are going to change, there's some things that are going to be different. Once we are changed by the gospel, as he mentioned in this chapter already, there are some things that we need to be aware of, we need to put off, we need to kill in our lives. We've, we've seen them, and it, we're going to review here because it leads into what we're talking about today. He said to put off sexual sin, and to put off covetousness, and to put off anger, and here's one that, that's very practical for us. Uh, we need to put off gossip, and sins of the tongue, and sins of the mouth. He specifically addresses gossip and lies. And as a believer, these are uh, things that, that the follower of Christ should not be wearing. And then he said there were some things to put on. Compassion, humility, meekness, kindness, patience, forgiveness, and love. These are the things that a Christian wears. Last week we saw how we are to let the Word of God dwell in us. And that's where many of these things will come from. If we're walking with the Lord, if we're meditating on the Word, there's some natural fruit that comes from that. And what that is, is that compassion. It's that kindness. It's that love. It's that patience. It's that meekness. It's that forgiveness. That, that's what a Spirit-filled Christian looks like. And we've talked about this a lot here. So often believers can be some of the angriest people in the world, but that's anti-Christ. That's anti-who Jesus was. Man, he was one that was full of compassion. He was one that was full of love. He was one that was full of mercy. He was one that was full of grace. In our text here, he's going he's gonna, to, after he goes through those things, he's going to address four different roles within the family. He's going to start out by addressing the wife. Then he's going to address the husband. Then he's going to address the children. And then it's interesting, he circles back around and addresses the fathers. Uh, listen, the, the believing family, the new man's family. And I want to ask you this question this morning. What does your home look like? Man, what does your, your family 
look like? I mean, what does it look like for you? Just like the fall of man in Genesis chapter number 3 affected every individual, it has also affected the family. Even the first family, Adam and Eve, y'all know it was jacked up and full of craziness. Y'all understand that? The first uh, fracticide, which is basically a, a, a brother killing another brother, happened there in Genesis, man. They were messed up. So here's the thing I just want to say. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, my family is a wreck, okay? Since the beginning of, Gen- since the beginning of time, when the fall of man happened, families have been a mess and they've been a wreck. I mean, sinners are involved, okay? There's no perfect family. But in our text, Paul, he starts off by saying, put these things off, put these things on. And if you do, man, these things within your family can really fall into place. God has a plan, but we messed it up, and we messed it up over and over again. So he, have, he addresses these four different roles within the family. And he gives a quick synopsis, if you will, of what a Christ-centered home or a Christ-centered family looks like. Verse number 18. He addresses the wives. In verse number 19, he addresses husbands. In verse number 20, he, he addresses the children. In verse 21, once again, he addresses the fathers. Then he gives four specific things for us to focus on. One for wives, one for husbands, one for children, and one for fathers. Man, maybe put the, you might title it this way. I have the title, A Christ-Centered Home, but maybe put it this way, A New Man's Home. What the home of a new man looks like. Man, what is your home? Man, let me, I want you to think right now. What, is, what kind of husband are you this morning? What kind of wife and mom are you this morning? What kind of child are you this morning? What kind of father are you and I this morning? The first relationship he addresses in verse 18 and 19 is this marriage relationship. And as we dive into this, let's talk about marriage in general, and then we're going to really pick apart what this says to us. Now, marriage, we understand this. It's a civil relationship. It's a physical relationship. It's a spiritual relationship. And it's an emotional relationship. Marriage is not something that man came up with. Y'all understand that. It was God's idea. Mark chapter number 10 says this, But from the beginning of creation, God made them, male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. They shall be one flesh. So then they are not no more twain, but one flesh. Listen to these words. What God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Listen, marriage is God's plan and God's idea. God is the originator of the home. We are to follow the design that God intended and created since the beginning. God has a plan on how marriage is to function. Mark 10, verse number 7, I already read it, but it says this, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Now, marriage consists of a leaving, a leaving, a leaving of one relationship before establishing the next. And can I just say this? 
This is one of those principles, y'all listen to me this morning, that even Christian families struggle with. Can I just say this? Once your child moves out of your home and is married to their spouse, stay out of their stinking business. Leaving and cleaving is a biblical principle. If you said in my premarital counseling, one of the things that I tell the, the, the couple sitting right in front of me is, mom and dad don't need, and sister and brother don't need to hear about every single issue that's going on in your marriage. This is why. You're going to forgive your spouse, and you're going to get over it, but guess what? They don't love your spouse the same way you do. And sometimes a mother-in-law, and I'm not trying to be mean this morning, but sometimes a mother-in-law can, listen, Satan can use a mother-in-law and a father-in-law or a sister or a brother in that family to destroy a marriage. I, we smile a little bit. I've seen it happen. Stay out of their business. Now, I'm not saying you don't give advice and you don't give wisdom, but listen, marriage, God's plan is for them to leave and for them to cleave. Marriage not only uh, uh, consists of leaving, but it also consists of cleaving. Carries the idea of this, being glued to each other, being bonded together. And then it says weaving. Man, marriage, listen, it goes from mine to ours. And can I just say this? When it comes to biblical marriage, it is countercultural. The world says we're in it to please ourselves. We're in it to live for ourselves. Man, we're in it for our pleasure, both physically, emotionally. Is everybody listen? That is that is not what the Bible teaches. Man, if we are going to live in a godly home in a Christ-centered marriage, it's a man and a woman putting the other's needs, wants, and desires above their own. Marriage is ordained by God for one man and one woman. Let me just say that, and I'm not going to belabor this. That's God's plan. doesn't matter what the news says. Y'all listen to me, and I don't want to make anybody mad. doesn't matter what Disney says. Somebody better help me this morning. doesn't matter what anybody else says. Listen, marriage is from God, one man, one woman, how it's always been, God's plan. We don't hate people that do it differently. We're not mad at them. Listen, none of that. We love them. God redeems. We're all sinners this morning, but we, we must stand and preach what God's truth is. By the way, one man, one woman for life. God hates divorce just as much as he does that. Somebody better help me this morning. And I know good people make mistakes. My mom, my parents were divorced. Man, I, and that doesn't mean God doesn't forgive and restore and redeem. But God's plan for the home is one man, one woman for life. Now let's dive in if you're still with me this morning. Look at verse 18. It's only going to get worse from here. It's first two words. We hate this. But we're going to talk about this because unfortunately men have abused this. Look at verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as is fit unto the Lord. So first of all here he addresses the role of the wife. Man, if we're going to have the Christ-centered wife, if, we're gonna, if you're going to be a Christ-centered wife, he says this, she submits to her husband, and that submission pleases the Lord. Now understand, God is the one who created this team. When you read about marriage in the Bible, it speaks of togetherness. But God has a specific role for each person in the marriage relationship. He has specifically used this word in the Old Testament, I believe Genesis chapter 2 and 3, this word helpmate, which simply means this, completer, helper, supporter. We are brought together by God, listen to me, to help one another. Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. 
For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and is the Savior of the body. So the husband's role here is to lead the home. The wife is to support the leadership in the home. Now understand with me this morning before you get mad at me, the headship of one does not mean the inferiority of, of the other. Does everybody track with me here? It doesn't mean, it, it has nothing to do with worth. Men and women are absolutely, and listen, they are absolutely and unequivocally equal. The Bible makes no distinction in worth, abilities, intellect, or spirituality. Leadership and submission are not about equality, but about functionality. So, men, if we lead in the way that God called us to most of the time, submission is a result of godly leadership. So what he says here is this. Why is your, if your husband is loving the Lord, living for the Lord, worshiping the Lord, leading your home, you are to submit. Our job, your job, is to submit to him. And then he says in verse number 19, notice this, and stay with me this morning. Verse number 19. So, it goes, so he says, why do you need to submit to your husband? Look at verse 19. Husbands, look at this. Love your wives. And then I found this interesting, this next phrase. And be not bitter against them. So I begin to study what the bitter part meant, and it simply means this. Do not be harsh towards them. You're to love them, and you're not to be harsh towards them. Paul said it again in Ephesians chapter number 5. He said it this way. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ. Man, this is powerful. Love the church and gave himself for it. He said, husband, you're to sacrificially love. Man, you're, you're to put her needs before your own. You're to put her wants, needs, and desires above yours. Forgiveness and grace and mercy. Remember, he says, who are we supposed to love our wives like? Like Jesus loves us. That means unconditionally. That means we, we, don't, have a, we don't have one of those relationships where if they do this, then we'll do this. Is everybody track with me? No. We show grace. We show love. We show, show mercy. Is there, listen, that's what he says, like Christ loves us. Man, forgiveness grace, mercy. He says, wives submit. Then he says, husbands love. And wives submit to your own husbands. And husbands love them like Christ loved the church. And don't be harsh with them. Now, unfortunately, even the culture that I grew up in, I grew up around even preachers who would belittle women, belittle their wives. Is everybody, some of you have been around that. Listen, we are to be gentle with our wives like Christ is gentle with us. We are to speak words of calmness and words of peace and words of grace and words of love. Wives submit, husbands love. Now, men, can I just say this? Maybe if you started being the man that God called you to be, you'd have the wife that you want. Well, she just won't submit to me, preacher. <laughs> she won't listen to me. You know what those are words of most of the time? A jerk. One of the things I've learned the hard way is if I'm faithful in the small things and the, the little things and the loving things and the compassionate things, guess what? A natural response many times will be that submission that you desire, that respect that you desire. You can't expect to treat her like an object. You can't expect to treat her. Here's what some of us need to do, and y'all look at me this morning, and I need to work on this too, and I sure try. Some of us need to go back and treat our wives the way we did before we married them. When we're dating, we'll say some of the dumbest stuff. Somebody help me this morning. We'll try to convince them. 
You've heard me say it before. I remember those days back in 1999 and 2000 before there was a lot of cell phones going on. And I, I used to sit on the phone with Sarah at night. Man, I remember that. We used to just listen to each other breathe. You remember? Man, some of you, you used to get excited about seeing each other, going to supper with each other, talking to each other. So I just want to encourage you. If it's, if, it's, if it's not going real good, maybe you should go back to do what you used to do, loving her a little bit. Man, showing that, conf- showing that affection that you once did. Why is it after we get married, it's almost, like we, we, it's almost like we've arrived and we stop dressing up for each other. We start going, stop going out for each other. The house is a mess. We're a bunch of sloth. We would have never done that while we were dating. Something to think about this morning. Husbands love. Wives submit. I mean, Christian marriages means, you know, our, our divorce rates are the same as the world's. It's the same. It's the same. I Man, something's got to change. You know what it is? We've got to, wives, we've got to submit. And husbands, we've got to love. And then look what he says in verse number 20, Christ-centered home. Verse number 20. And y'all can amen this one if you ain't mad at me yet. Children, obey. Children, you are to obey your parents. It says, wives submit, husbands love, children obey your parents. Notice this, in all things. For this is pleasing unto the Lord. And I believe this is more of a sermon. I believe this is more of a sermon for parents than it is children. Can I just say this? If you've got little rugrats in your house, you're the boss of your home. Don't let some two-year-old or three-year-old or four-year-old or ten-year-old or fifteen-year-old or twenty-year-old that lives under your roof determine what goes on in your house. And I didn't like it then, but I remember as long as I lived under my house, I was a grown man already and still lived at home for a minute. And you know what my parents said? If you live under this roof, if you're living under my house, and I'm paying the mortgage on this, and I thank God for it now, if you live under my roof, under my house, your tail's going to be in church. And you know what? I had a choice. If I'm going to live here, I'm going to go to church. I hated it then, but can I just tell you I thank God for it every day now. I just want to tell you, and I'm not talking about being mean. I'm not talking about being a jerk. But you know what your role, parents, is? It's to be the parents. Can I teach you a word that you can say to your kids? No. We're raising a generation of stinking brats, and we wonder why our, why our, why our, our country's in the way it is. And can I just say it ain't their fault, it's our fault this morning. We let them watch whatever they want, we let them listen to whatever they want, we let them do whatever they want, and then we wonder why they live like hell when they get out of the house. I'm just saying. Man, I remember my parents telling me to do stuff, and I was like, I didn't want to do it. Man, and I was mad. I remember my dad, man, he, I tried to bow up to him one time. Can I just tell you something? Some of the way the three-year-olds and five-year-olds talk to their parents, if I did that as a 16-year-old, I'd have got backhanded across the face. Didn't like it then. And I know this isn't popular, and somebody probably ain't going to come back after this, but I'm just telling you, we're losing a generation. Love, if we love our kids, can I just say this? We're going to make them obey us. They don't learn, and it's for their protection. It's not for control. Man, and I've learned this. I'm watching parents, and I'm no perfect parent. Y'all trust me, I'm not. But, man, I've learned this. If we, if we get them to listen when they're two and three and four, guess what? They'll listen when they're older. We let them do whatever they want. Kick them out of your bed. This is my bed. Y'all see what I'm saying? And here's what ends up happening. And i got to get on. I'm going to know I'm going to get myself in trouble. I'm already getting hate emails. This is what happens. 
This is what happens. We spend so much time focusing on these babies, and instead of having a Christ-centered home, we end up having a child-centered home. When that child leaves, when they're 18 or 20, then all of a sudden we got this person we live with, and we don't know them. Because we haven't been dating. We had not been spending time with them. It's been all about those kids. Children are a heritage of the Lord, man. They're a blessing. The fruit of the womb is the, man, it's a reward. It's a blessing from God. I just want to say this. Children are to obey us. They don't, if they don't feel like going to church, kick them in the butt and tell them we're going to church. I'm just saying, like, I'm thankful now. And some of y'all, listen, we're, we're losing a generation because of that. Children obey. When, it's, when they're 15 and 16, y'all, it's too late. Children are to obey. That's, that's what the Bible teaches. Man, they are to obey. Ephesians 6.1 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor. Man, we don't live in a day where kids honor their parents anymore. We don't. I still think, and I know y'all don't like this, I still like, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. It would have been a cold day somewhere before my daughter ever called an adult when she was a little kid by their first name. It's just a different generation. I know that. But listen, we are to show honor. We're to show grace. Man, that it may be well with thee. And here's the part. You want your kids to live a long life. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. That thou mayest live long on the earth. I'm going to move on, but that's just what it says. Children are to obey. So I would just tell you this. Make your kids obey. Y'all remember, I remember the days, and I know we don't like this either. And when dad just said, listen, you don't speak unless you're spoken to when there's adults around. We're living, listen, right now, you wonder why we have kids running through the streets burning buildings now? It's because of this right here. They, there's no respect for authority. There's no one that listens. Man, there's no one. And, there's a, and I'm not, the next verse says, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. I understand that. But we can lovingly guide. We can lovingly lead. We can lovingly say no. Look at this last one, and then we're going to talk for a minute. Verse 21. Verse number 21, look at it. Fathers, and if y'all think this is bad, next week we talk about the workplace. It gets terrible. The next verse. Y'all ain't going to like that. If you don't like this, you definitely ain't going to like that. Look at this. Look at verse 21. Fathers, knows these two words, provoke not your children to anger. You see this? Lest they be discouraged. Man, parents, fathers, guess what we're supposed to do? And we can be guilty of this sometimes. We're supposed to encourage our kids. Yes, we have high standards. Yes, we can say no. But, man, they ought to know that, yes, as stern as dad is, he's as graceful and he's as loving and I can talk to him. Man, I don't intentionally make them mad. He says, fathers are to encourage. So what does a Christ-centered home really look like? The first thing that I wrote down for me, and I'm learning from this text myself, is this. If I'm going to have a Christ-centered home, I've got to have this. Each one of us realizing and understanding what our roles are. Each one of us understanding what our roles are. So we already saw it. What's the wife's role? To what? Huh? Submit. Some of y'all struggled. Submit. Choking on that this morning. Husbands, what's your role? To lead and to love. Children, I know I ain't going to have none of them say this this morning. What's your role? To obey. Man, to do what my parents say. Man, so we've got to understand our roles. Would y'all agree that the world has tried to mess these roles up? If you were to turn on your uh, normal TV, and I know, t- I, I, we were talking about this this week. I used to like it when TV was like on TV. And, like, I couldn't wait till Tuesday night to watch that one show. Y'all remember those days? That seems like another world ago, doesn't it? Like, now you just go in there and it's streaming. But, you know, if you were to watch the average sitcom years ago when they actually had them on, on TV, you didn't just sit there and watch, like, 15 of them in a row and do nothing all day. If you, you know what they started doing? They started messing with what the family should look like. 
And they started making, you know, dad was a dope. Some of us will laugh about that. Dad, your, 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 your role is a place of honor. Dad's not a dope. Dad's a leader. It's a place of honor. Y'all hear me? Mom, man, mom, you, God's created you. You're, you're, to be, you're, you're called to be a classy, loving, submissive, hard-woken. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what God has intended. And children are supposed to obey. That goes against everything our culture says. If you want to have a Christ-centered home, you know what you got to do? You got to stand against what culture says. You got to do what the Bible says. You got to submit. Well, I don't like that. We live in this. I don't, it don't matter. The Bible trumps whatever we feel like this morning. If you're a believer, well, I just don't. No, you got to love her, man, like God's called you to. And then children, you got to obey. So each one of us understanding our roles. The second thing is, if you go back to the text and understand it in context, and this is really the thrux of the message here is this. It involves each one of us putting off the old man. The text starts, hey, there's some things that you need to put off. And what we do when we read the Bible, we like to just take one verse, right? No, we got to go back to see what it says. It's talking about the old man putting it off. Can I just say this? If we're going to have godly homes, we've got to make sure, first of all, that sexual sin is not part of our homes. You say, why would we preach that in church? Because that's part of putting off the old man. There's some things still today that as believers we shouldn't have on the television screen and put before our eyes. The Word of God says this, set no wicked thing before our eyes. Can I just say this? If you're watching a bunch of nudity and you're on sites and you're scrolling through Instagram at 2 o'clock in the morning, hey, there's a problem somewhere and we need to, and listen, we haven't put off the old man yet. Sexual sin. It's no business. The life or in the home of a Christian. Then he said, what else did he say to put off? Man, sexual sin was the first one. The next one is covetousness. If you're going to have a Christ-centered home, stop worrying about everybody else's home. Worry about yours. I need to worry about mine. Except when I'm preaching. Somebody help me this one. Covetousness. That's what he says we have to put off. Sexual sin. Then he says covetousness. And we don't like this, because, but this is what the Word of God says. You know what the next one is? Anger. We need to put off anger. Some of us are just angry. We're just angry people. Man, we've got to put that off like we talked about a few weeks ago. Man, we're just angry. We're angry with our kids. We're short with our wife. We're angry with everybody. Man, we're just angry. Man, we've got to ask God. God, help us get past this anger. God, deal with this anger. Do you have a short fuse? Does everything set you off? You know, I found in my life when I'm not walking with the Lord, when I'm not praying, the dumbest stuff in the world sets me off. Man, I remember fights <laughs> over the remote control. I mean, literal stupid fights that start off. Where's the remote control? I don't know. If you put it in your place, we'd know where it is. Somebody help me this morning. Huh? Yeah, well, I got, can I get an amen? I got an amen from one of the kids. It's good. But I remember having something like that, and you start, what do you start doing? You start jawing a little bit. Everybody know what I'm talking about? And the next thing that you know, this thing has snowballed into a terrible fight. Can I just say this? Christian homes shouldn't be a place, and I know somebody's going to get mad here. Christian homes shouldn't be a place where we raise our voice and we scream at each other and we cuss each other and we belittle each other. But you know what happens? Sometimes anger, because we have any anger and unforgiveness and bitterness that we've dealt with. Many times it's from the workplace or for someone else, and who do we end up taking it on, out on? Those we love the most. Man, I've done it so many times. I've, I've spent a whole week before and just getting hammered by people. And you know, the one place that I should go home and should be my safety, should be my place of mental rest, should be that place where I could put it away after reading vile messages and people saying the stupid stuff in the world and it's bothering me in my head. 
You know who I end up taking it off of? I'll look that person. Here's what ends up happening. I'll look that person that's wronged me, lied about me, and lied to me, and I'll say, I love you, and I hope I can be a better pastor to you. And then I'll get home, and you know what ends up happening? End up taking it out. Why? Does everybody see what I'm saying? We do, it. we do that. If you have a bad day at work, man, that anger, if we're not careful, comes home, and guess who suffers? Little Johnny, little Susie, your spouse. I just want to encourage you, deal with that stuff. Man, those are the people we should love and cherish the most. They are gifts from God. Just because your coworker ticked you off, man, don't take that out on your family. He says, we got to put off that anger. Guys, I've been there before. Man, we got to take it off. How about this one? The, the, the next one is he said we put off earlier in the text is gossip. Talking to people about things that they can't do anything to fix. Gossip should not be part of your home. One of the things, if, if you tear down your authority to your kids, guess what? They're going to they're gonna live lives tearing down authority. If it's always the teacher's fault, you're not teaching your kids anything. And teachers can be wrong. You know, your little Johnny Susie don't need to know about it. If it's always the principal's fault, if it's always somebody else's fault, if it's always the teacher's fault, if it's always somebody, listen, be careful, be careful, just telling you, then it says lies. All of these have to do with sins of the mouth. I think if we would change the way we talked at home, we'd probably see revival in a lot of our homes. I mean, the things we say to each other. I mean, we spend all day, most of us spend 8 to 12 hours in an office or on a job site or conference calls or whatever with people we don't even really like. And we go home, and because we're miserable all day, guess who ends up suffering? Our families do. I just want to encourage you, leave it at the shop. Leave it at the office. Leave it and get, when you get home, home can either be hell on earth or heaven on earth. And we're as parents, and listen, we're the ones who can, we create the environment. How do we talk to each other? Man, or do we just belittle, belittle each other? Do we have any meaningful conversation? Do we have fun together? Man, I want to encourage you to do that. Put those things off. And then he says, put on. Look, thirdly, so if we're going to have a Christ-centered home, there's some things we've got to put off. And then the text, guess what? This is talking about the home. There's things we've got to put on. You want to have a Christ-centered home? Let's think about these. How about having compassion for your own family? Having compassion for your own family. Having empathy. Putting yourself in their position. Can I just say this? Sometimes we are too hard on our kids like we never did that. One of the things that we've got to remember is God's been, if you're an adult in here, God's been gracious to you. Part of the gospel playing out in our lives, sometimes just showing grace to our kids. Man, I, <laughs> there's been times where I was so mad. But then you know what God will remind me? You was there once, Jack. And probably a lot worse, some of us. Have compassion on them. Don't, you know, some things aren't that big a deal, right? Like I'm a, man, I, I'm a clean freak on some ways. And like the other day, Sarah's just like, shut the door, Jake. Walk away. Just shut the door. I won't say whose room it was. Just shut the door. Chill out. It ain't that big a deal. I was ready to lose it, man. I mean, I get in a car and like, huh. Is it that big a deal? No. Is it really that big a deal? Being compassionate and just showing grace. I mean, I used to be such a law guy. Like, here's the line. You cross this line, I'm going to kill you. 
But you know what God taught me? The gospel isn't just for salvation in my life. The gospel is for daily living and how I treat other people. Sometimes we're so hard on our kids and we have so many rules on our kids. We don't let them fail. We don't let them mess up. We don't let them learn to live life at all. They need to learn to mess up. They need to be there where mama isn't sitting there fighting all their battles for them. They need to learn how to go through some things. I'm no expert at this. I just want to tell you what the Word says. Kindness. How about kindness? Just being nice in your home. Men, when your wife, if she does cook for you or back, back and forth, sometimes the stuff we used to, and I've said this before, the things we used to appreciate, we start taking for granted. Can I just help you men something that your wife will really appreciate? Just say thank you. You made supper, and it was good. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. Thank you for taking time to do this. Or ladies, if he cooks all the time, praise God. Thank you. You see, just those small things can go so far sometimes. Sometimes that's foreign to us. Just those words, I love you. Thank you. Humility. You know, that should play out in the home. How, can I teach us all of, can we all say this together? I'm going to say it and then we're going to say it together. I'm sorry. Let's say it together. I'm sorry. You know, that's not weakness. That's strength. <laughs> I'm sorry. Patience. How about this one, forgiveness? You know what great families look like? They learn to forgive each other over and over again. Same as great churches. And the reason people bail all the time on churches and go from church to church to church to church to church to church because they never figure this out. Forgive over and over and over and over and over again. That's what a great family is. Your family's going to, they're going to do stupid stuff. Guess what we're supposed to do? Forgive them. Your kids are going to do dumb stuff. Forgive them. Aren't you thankful? And this is where it really comes home. Aren't you thankful that in our stupidity, He forgives us over and over and over again? Man, I think of those times, Brother Jason, where I was in places I should have never been, yet God was gracious to me. Jeremy, I think of those moments in my life when God showed me love when I didn't deserve it. You know, that's what a Christ-like parent does. That's what a good, good father does. Yes, discipline. Yes, draw lines. At the end of the day, listen, if they're your kids, can I just tell you this? I, I was thinking, I was talking to a parent the other day whose son went a direction that man just the dad was so ticked off. There's nothing that'll stop that kid from being your kid. Y'all listen to me. You love that kid until God takes him home. Looking around this room right now, there's some that have grown adult kids that are away from God right now. Don't give up on them. Y'all listen to me. Don't give up on them. Don't quit on them. You got teenagers right now that act like they want nothing to do with God. Can I just tell you, don't quit on them. You keep praying for them. You call out to God. You cry tears for them. Man, it might just be that today could be that day they show up at 1030 and they find, I believe that God still does that. I believe He brings prodigals at home and Christian parents abandoning their children. Aren't you thankful that He's never abandoned us? Stop. Don't give up on them. Pray for him. Call out that God will get a hold of him. He still changes lives. By the way, I've learned this. Those kids, the biggest idiots many times, God uses the most. Praise God, he does. Matt, I like how you added that there. But think about it, man. Some of us right now, we got parents that we, listen, we grew, we tried to do the best we could. We dragged them to church every week, and they're away from God right now. Can I just tell you, don't quit on them. I'm thankful that mama, listen, I was an idiot. My mom never quit praying. She didn't. She never quit showing grace. Listen, God, God can still get a hold of them. Don't give up on them. Man, you want a Christ-centered home? 
Man, we've got to put the Bible back in the home. Man, we've got to put it central. Man, don't give up. Maybe you have a spouse that's away from the Lord. Let me just tell you, we got some godly people come every week without their spouse. Don't quit on them. Keep praying for them. Man, you're, you're, maybe you have some parents right now. Maybe your parents don't know the Lord. We have some teenagers right now that come every Sunday and every Wednesday night whose parents never step foot in these doors. Can I just tell you, young people, don't quit praying for your mom. Don't quit praying for your dad. God might just get a hold of them. Your kids, if you got little babies right now, a day shouldn't go by where you don't go into the presence of Almighty God. Say, oh God, protect their purity. Protect them. See, some of us, we're in church every week. We ain't prayed for our kids in years. Change it today. You can change that now, today. Man, God wants our homes to be a reflection of who He is. Maybe today some of us need to just maybe reevaluate some things. Maybe we need to look at it. Maybe we need to say, you know what? I need to start being the spouse that God's called me to be. I need to start being the parent that God's called me to be. I need to start being the person that God's called me to be. I need to put off those things and put on some things. I need to start living my life in light of eternity, in light of the Lord. Heads bowed, eyes closed, let's stand on our feet. The altar's open as Matt sings. If you need a counselor, they'll be here after the service. We'll during the invitation to pray with you and talk to you. Matt sing. Let's make decisions for Christ. Oh.